This week on the Recruitment Flex, we will be hosting Disrupt HR in Halifax. Hopefully, Shelly likes Donaire's. Career Builder lays off 60% of its U.S. staff and sells off the international business. The most surprising thing about this news is that Career Builder still existed. DocuSign touts the benefits of remote work, just not for its own employees. And the number one rule of employment branding, be interesting. The Recruitment Flex starts right after this message from our friends at AppCast. Shelly, you know how much I love programmatic advertising for recruitment. It saves so much time and effort in trying to figure out where I can get maximum exposure and value in advertising my jobs. Yeah, for sure. It is a game changer. And you know who I love too is AppCast. They are the leading programmatic job advertising platform that helps you reach the right candidates fast. Definitely. AppCast advanced targeting and real-time optimization technologies make sure that your job ads are seen by the most qualified candidate. Plus, they have a team of experts that's always there to support you and make sure you get the best results. It's so true, right? AppCast has just got the nicest people on staff. They're just a pleasure to work with. And tracking your job's performance in real time is the other big plus. Being able to see exactly what's happening, what's driving the applications, where they're coming for, and at the end of the day, It's about making hires. And where else can you expand your reach across 30,000 sites? Your candidates are everywhere online with AppCast. Your jobs will be too. So check them out at appcast.io. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly. Serge. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a heck of a week and it's still early. Are you recovering from the Canadian Recruiting Networking Group? By the way, you did an amazing job. And I think I told you over text, but I need to tell you face to face. In a situation in a very loud environment with no mic, and you had to scream it out, I could hear your voice just like withering away. But you did a good job. You really like were clear, concise with your message, impactful tips that they can use right away. So congrats on that. Thank you. That's very nice of you. Yeah, it really was just roll with the punches because I put together like five slides, right? We were just queuing it up and the manager comes up and tells us, oh, our mic's not working. (laughs) Okay, great. What are we going to do? So thank you for that because it wasn't ideal. I know a lot of people said it would have been better if I could hear you, Mm. which I really felt bad. But you know what was interesting, Serge? So there's 90 of our people Like it's just recruiters. And I asked the audience, who's using ChatGPT right now in their job as a recruiter? And I maybe saw 10 hands go up. And I asked of the audience, how many of you are in a sourcing role? Do you know the only ones who put their hands up were from the staffing world? And even then there was maybe 10 people in the entire place that actually does sourcing. Did that kind of surprise you too? Yeah, and sourcing is it's not being leveraged as much as I thought it would. 
It should, because mm-hmm. if you think about it, that's like 15% of the audience actually sources and doesn't rely on post and pray. I'm sure that's not the case completely. Some people don't put up their hands or whether the or they case didn't is. Hear me. <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun just meeting the people that we've right. known for a long time, yeah. but also meeting a lot of new people. And for me, it was a first. We got to sign an autograph. Al from Accenture brought in the James Ellis book mm-hmm. that myself and Shelly wrote the foreword and had us sign it. I had to take a picture and send it to my wife, just prove it, right? <laughs> just how famous you are, how famous yeah. you've become. Yes. And I do also want to shout out Carly Leonard. It was so sweet. She came up and said, Something about being a big fan of the show and she listens all the time and just how nice it was to meet us. Because I know that feeling when you listen to a podcast on a regular, you feel like you know these people. So thank you, Carly. It was wonderful to meet you. And thank you for coming up and saying hello. Yes, that was fantastic. That helped the ego as well. I'll take praise any time of the day. We also have an announcement. The Surge and Shelly show is going to be the host of Disrupt HR in Halifax. I wonder how we got that gig, Shelly. <laughs> we bought our way in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm actually super excited. I've never been to Halifax. I thought, well, why wouldn't I go? So I looked into some flights and there's a direct flight from Calgary to Halifax. And I thought, okay, I'll go. And yes, higher value is going to support the Disrupt HR. And I really appreciate it. And for everyone, please, if you're in Halifax or in the Maritimes, go get your tickets. We are running out. And it's the opportunity to hear Serge and Shelley live. Like that's worth the price of admission just in itself. And you're right, Shelley, Halifax is such a great city. And I'm so glad you're coming because the city itself is marvelous. It's fantastic. And you are going to spend some time with my other work wife, Leah Sobering. I'm just hoping that you go over to her place because I just can't picture Shelly in the country. I can see you with the fanciest rain boots ever in the mud. Well, hopefully there's no mud. But yes, Leah's been most gracious and very welcoming to say, oh, you can come. I am looking at, because I'm going to stay the weekend. Okay. There's a little town called Wolfville. Yes. And pictures don't do it justice. So if the pictures look great, it's probably breathtaking. I'm also looking at hotels that are be right on the harbor. Okay. So I haven't picked a hotel yet. I'm open for recommendations. Anybody listening, coming from Halifax. But I think I'm only going to be there really one night and then off to Wolfville. So Wolfville is the away. home of Acadia University. So it's very much a university town. It is quaint. And there's so many of those towns in Nova Scotia. You're going to have to go get some Donairs. Those are the best Donairs in the world in Halifax. Oh, I love Donairs. You'll have to give me the backstory on that because I'm not making the connection. <laughs> Donairs, that's a Lebanese food, right? Kind of. So the difference, Donair sauce is very sweet. So you mix the savory with the meat and that sauce and then your vegetables and that pita. Oh, that sauce makes a difference. It's the best sauce in the world. I, lunch. Oh, I, I'm so <laughs> like hungry right now. 
I wish the audience could see the look in your eyes when you're describing this. It's like you haven't eaten for a week. You're gonna be well, okay? there's a restaurant here in Calgary called Blowers and Grafton that offers real East Coast Anairs, and they're so good. If I could go eat there every day, I would. I'm going to go try it. Do we want to jump into the news? Yes. You All go right. right ahead. Career Builder lays off 60% of its U.S. staff and sells its international business. Did you know Career Builder was still in business, Shelley? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Am I thinking of the right company? Career Builder was a job board back in the early 2000s. So I remember they tried to break into Canada and they never really could. Career Builder was the biggest job board in the US from 2009 to 2013. Career Builder overtook Monster in late 2008, 2009, okay. and had an impact in Canada. I remember competing against Career Builder in Canada, and they had a market share. It wasn't big. In the East? Uh, in in uh, Canada? No, it would, have been, it would have been Western Canada, yeah. But they had more traction in Ontario. You're completely right. Okay. And Career Builder was a very big player in this space for a really long time. They were the most dominant from 2009, but they had significant market share from the early 2000s. And what's interesting about them is I looked at the data, their traffic in the US. As far as job boards, they are still number five. They got to be right for Indeed to acquire them. Like if you have a domain that is the number five job board in the world and there's obviously job seeker traffic, or I don't know, maybe it's just all bots going to it. I'm not sure if that's why they haven't been sold. Their international business got sold to Carrara SA. So it's a technology company that's in Greece. I've never heard of them, but I don't mm -hmm. think that makes a difference. They also named a new CEO and his name is Jeff Furman. And I think this is like their fourth or fifth different CEO in the last six, seven years. I think they changed CEOs quite frequently. And they've been selling off parts of their business for a long time, right? They, like they Monster own, has. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they yeah, own Broadbean. And, and then jumping into that, into companies that are doing way better. So Zip Recruiter <laughs> announces their Q1 earnings. I just wanted to highlight a couple of things that came out of their latest earning calls. At the start of the year, they had forecasted a revenue decline of around 15 to 20%. Well, they've actually removed that completely saying the market is way too volatile. We are removing our annual guidance, but they did share that they're expecting Q2 to be declining up to 30% year over year, which is a significant difference of what they thought at the start of the year. It's a pretty big impact in the market because it's definitely showing a massive slowdown in hiring and the job boards are all struggling. What's interesting about this is we haven't seen any layoffs from Zit Recruiter. Have you heard of any layoffs? No, any I haven't. Zit Recruiter, no. no. How's the stock doing, by the way? Do you Not look at it? No. Not very good. Okay. Moving on. Indeed. Indeed, a little bit better news. Yes. So recruit the parent company, the HR technology, which is basically Glassdoor and Indeed, saw revenue decline in April. It fell around 12% year over year. So it's not as bad as 30%. And job openings on Indeed fell 13% year over year. The overall HR technology segment was down 10.1% in the fourth quarter, which would be actually 
Q1 in the fiscal year. But outside the U.S., revenue rose 2.4%. It's kind of good news. It's not a dramatic decline. No, it's not. But it's still in line with what all the job boards are saying. The 100%. Are down. If you're looking at year over year, not looking at pre-pandemic. So I'm not panicked. I don't feel like this is doom and gloom. It's nothing to freak out about. Everybody remain calm. Yes, but it's still a warning sign, right? The market is definitely slowing. I love how you look at the positive of it. I'll be the doomsayer and you're the Miss Sunshine. Also, I forgot last week we talked about Plum and we didn't know there was going to be a new partnership. Plum partnered with Rollbot. Jason is probably just out there trying to get as many partnerships as he can because the guy can't stop talking. So he figured, hey, these guys are good. They're going to bring me around the big Ferris wheel in Las Vegas. So let's partner. I'm kidding, Jason. I know it's a good. So I think that deal went down. We bumped into them, Jason and the Plum team. We're just getting off the high roller with the robot team. That's probably when they consummated their marriage was up. <laughs> oh, up in, in the, the high uh, roller. Okay. There you go. Shelly, what is the tip of the week? Uh, okay. The tip of the week is when recruiters, we all know what we're looking for when we're being interviewed. There was a great article that I found, which was written by somebody who's a former recruiter from Google, who said, here's how I know an interview is going great. When the job seeker says, hey, can I tell you a quick story about what I learned in my last role? The tip of the week is this. If you're a recruiter and you're looking, when you're being interviewed for a recruiter role, be sure you have a great example story of something that you learned or something that you did because it shows not just skill, but being able to recall and being able to see your face, like how engaged you are when you're telling a great story. Really good tip. And there is a lot of recruiters looking for work right now, unfortunately. So please let's follow our own advice Shelly, I want to jump into the recruitment insight. We got a lot of fun stuff. So how about you start us off? As you know, I love surveys. I love reading these 76-page reports, looking for those little nuggets. This week, a company called iHire did a survey of 600 job seekers. This is just in the US, but what I liked about it was They had a good cross-section of industry and age and those that are both actively looking for work and those that are currently employed. It was a really nice sample size of 600 job seekers. There's a few things that I thought were rather interesting because it somewhat contradicts what we've been hearing from other sources. And that was around somebody's preference for work environment. What the survey found was that the preference to be working in person was highest in individuals who are 18 to 30. Whereas if you move to the next age category, working remote is almost the same percentage. So what it said to me was, it is very much an age-based preference. 
for job seekers. If you're younger, you want to be around people. And then those individuals in their, what we would call the highest employability age, which is 31 to 50, their preference is remote. So Serge, I think you mentioned that you recently did some survey work as well. But on that particular topic of preferences in terms of hybrid work, in-person or fully remote, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we actually didn't pull that type of data as far as our okay. preference, but there is other parts of the survey that are very similar. A couple of things that really stood out to me, and I don't know if it contradicts anything we've said in the past, because I've always felt that younger people prefer to work in an office, the majority, right? There's obviously people that love the flexibility, but there's a lot to say when you're in your 20s and you're working with a group of people, then you go for beers after work and they become really close friends, especially especially in larger cities, or if you're new to a city, this is really the way you make friends. And there's a certain element of that can't be replaced. It gets lonely if you're always at home and it's tough to make friends, right? And I think a lot of people saw that during the pandemic. Not surprised that the demographic of 18 to 30 prefers in person. What I thought was really interesting, so that 31 to 50, yes, they do like to work remotely, but not as much as in person. 31 to 50 was 32.1% preferred to work in person and 29% remote and 39.2% preferred to work hybrid. But the number was higher than expected, or sorry, was lower. I was expecting way more than 29% when it came to preference because I'm in that age group and I prefer remote 100%. The 51 and up, prefers to work remotely, which kind of surprises me because a, a lot of 50 and up have always worked in an office and well, I'll make an assumption, do love the ability to have that person-to-person -person contact. It's just what they're used to. And I'm going to make a really bad assumption too. People over 50 are usually not as great with technology and the tools that are used for remote work. So I'm surprised that there is that preference overwhelming at 45.6% that they prefer remote work. Did that number surprise you, Shelley? It did, but for different reasons. Why? I think the preference for fully remote is more because you're established in your career and you don't need the mentoring and support systems. And you really can work with very little supervision. You don't need anybody checking in on you. You're not in your you know, ladder climbing years. Because that's the other thing is over 50, you get to a point where either this is as high as you're going to go in your career, and you're totally okay with that, right? Like you don't need that ability to network and play the politics game. It's also a, a confidence in yourself and your abilities that working fully remote is something that you are confident in doing. Yeah, could be. Still surprising to me because a lot of the people making the decisions to bring people back in the office are generally from that age group, from the 50 and up. Maybe the executives prefer working in the office, but the ones that are working in the regular world yeah, that's a really good point because one of the downsides of working remotely that a lot of people have said is the ability to be noticed, right? The ability to be 
in front of the people and have those water cooler talks or just be visible, which can have an impact as far as getting promoted and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. The other thing looking at this survey, and I think it's completely out of whack. One of the questions was, how much time are you willing to spend to complete an online application? One to five minutes, 8.2%. Six to 10 minutes, 24%. 11 to 20 minutes, 30%. 21 to 30 minutes, 20%. And 31 minutes or more, 18%. That's just bullshit. That's just pure bullshit. Wondering what you were going to say. <laughs> no, because yeah. I see the data. I see the data firsthand of how long people are willing to take applications, how long it takes to do an application, and the drop-off rates are so much higher with the companies that have long application process. It's not even close. So I think they're full of shit. The other question is, how often do you follow up on job applications? And was 35%, well, I've been a recruiter for a long time. I guarantee you one thing, not 35% of candidates follow up on their application. I would be shocked if it's 1%. I think there was a lot of people here saying what they thought the surveyor wanted to hear because that's not reality. What's your thoughts there? How many people follow up to applications? Exactly, Echo, exactly what you just said. Certainly anywhere from 2016, 2015 forward, everybody understands that you're sending an electronic application and there isn't a 1-800 number to call. There's nobody's name attached to it. Who do you even know who to phone, right? It just doesn't happen. I don't know. Maybe this also includes hourly workers applying directly to a branch location. But my experience is the same. It is so rare that anybody follows up, you know, at all. Yeah, I, I would probably say it's 1%. Yeah. I want to jump into a really interesting story. DocuSign. Everyone knows DocuSign, right? If you're in business, you've used DocuSign or You've heard of it, at least. So they release a report Wednesday highlighting the benefits of remote work. But what really caught the attention of everyone is at the same time, the employees working at DocuSign, they're forcing them back to the office starting June 5th. So they created a 30-page report, spent a lot of time on it, marketed it everywhere, and at the same time, they're going completely against what their report says in forcing everyone in the office full time. A whole lot of bullshit, Shelly, because you know what happened here, right? You know exactly what happened is they know that people that want to read this are people that want to work remote. And there's a big audience of this, massive audience of people that want to work remotely. So it's a total clickbait, right? Let read this. But we're going to do the opposite of everything we're marketing outside. What was your take when you read this? I could hardly believe it. So according to this, they commissioned this research. Yes. Like DocuSign themselves and conducted with a research firm. That's not something you do lightly. I'm reading between the lines here. Unless the survey came back and said that people are better off returning to work. 
the main points of the survey was really driving the ability to work from home has opened up the workforce and the flexibility of employees has become the most critical aspect of any organization. And they feel completely opposite. And you're completely right. Like they, they commissioned this whole report and they've been marketing it everywhere. This is their thought leadership content. This is what they're reaching out to prospects with. This is how they're trying to get SEO. And they're going completely against their advice. So marketing is not talking to the executive suite. There is a disconnect because why would you announce it at almost exactly the same time, Shelly? Seems crazy to me. I know. Did I miss something here? No, you didn't. Move on to the next recruitment insight. So Elon Musk announced that he needs to personally approve all new hires at Tesla. And I went, wait a minute, let's do the math here. 127,000 employees, assuming maybe they've got low turnover, I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt at 5%. That means almost 6,400 a year requests need to now go back through Elon Musk. He needs to personally approve any hiring decisions. That's 122 approvals a week. And they pay him $56 billion a year. Do you think that's a good use of his time? (laughs) Well, there's a couple of things. You're making an assumption here that they are replacing the turnover. Last quarter, Tesla did not make a profit. They're definitely cutting back. So I'm making the assumption this is very similar reduction of workforce. Instead of laying off people, they're letting the natural attrition happen. I'll give you a couple of the highlights here. So What exactly it says, VP should send me a list of their department hiring requests once a week. Think carefully before sending me a request. No one can join Tesla, even as a contractor, until you receive my email approval. He's basically stopping hiring completely. There's a purpose to it, is my assumption of what he's doing right here. Because, yeah, you're right. There's no way that he's going to be dealing with 122 approvals per week. In this message saying, think carefully before sending me a request, is pretty much saying you better not fucking send me a request. That's how I read it. If I got a message like that from my CEO, I'm like, okay, I guess we're not hiring is the assumption I would make, unless it's like a mission critical role that the company can't survive with. I am not sending him a request for a new hire. So you believe this is a read between the lines message? A hundred percent. There's no way <laughs> that he's like going him. to. Do you know what? He loves the shock factor. When you think of what he's done with Twitter, he loved announcing that he is going to reduce it to 700 people. So why wouldn't he do the same thing with Tesla? To just say, we're not replacing anybody who leaves. Well, I think it's a completely different company. The other side of it, and I'm going to give him credit for it, a lot of these organizations, we saw it like out of all the fangs, they were hiring like crazy. And if you look at how many layers of management at a company like Meta that no one is actually doing the work because there's six levels of management for every role, there is way too much bloat in a lot of these tech companies. Tesla is a little bit different. They're a manufacturing company. He just doesn't want to see those layers and this is the way, let's stop hiring. I think it's pretty clear. I don't think he wants to say, let's stop all hiring because, hey, we're talking about some 
very important roles. The car business is really hard. I can't imagine how hard the Tesla electric car business is. And there's a lot more competition with it too. I think we've seen the stop of the growth of Tesla as the Fords and the GMs are all catching up. I get it. I don't really agree with what he's saying. Think carefully before sending me a request. That's really passive aggressive is how I would describe that. Have you ever worked for a company where the CEO had to approve every hire? I don't think so. Well, I've worked for like small companies. Oh, actually, yes. Yes, absolutely. I had one company, the CEO had to approve every hire. Yeah. How fun was that? She was really quick. It didn't even take minutes. The minute I put in the Slack channel, it was a go. But when there was roles that she wasn't aware of, that wasn't brought by her department head or whatever the case is, she would question very deeply. But it was after the fact, as this is before they actually post a job. In my experience was like when we're ready to make an offer. I'd rather have the approval before I post a job. There's nothing worse than going through the process than waiting for an approval from a CEO. And the candidate's waiting and you're like, oh, I'm hoping to hear soon, but you're not hearing anything. Yeah. Last recruitment insight, and I always love calling out our friend James Ellis. I love his newsletter, and he put something in writing, and I'm just going to read it because I think it's very impactful. And this is for recruiters, employment branders, for marketers, for anyone that is trying to put messages out or trying to reach out to candidates. You don't have a right to your audience. They don't owe you their attention. They aren't excited by what you say just because it was approved by the committee. Slapping your logo on it doesn't make it more valuable. If you have something you want to tell people, something that might legitimately make their lives better, but they have no obligation to listen. That means your first job is to be interesting. No one cares that you're hiring. Stating your values when no one asks isn't compelling. You can't expect people to be impressed just because you won an award thousands of other companies got to. You can't talk to people until they have chosen to listen to you. You have to be interesting. You have to say something others won't. You have to earn people's attention before you can pitch them a job. Don't believe me? Ask the dozens of recruiters, vendors, and salespeople who cold emailed you this week that you didn't respond to because they weren't interesting. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) That is the biggest thing that I still see every day on LinkedIn is we're hiring or they're sharing their values. And the worst thing is if I go on an interview and someone says our values are really important, I'm like, well, okay, what are they? Or I pretend that I know them because I'm supposed to know them. It's always the same bullshit. No one cares about your values. Most companies don't follow their values or their mission. Can you say something that's a little bit different than everyone else is saying? Can you say something that's actually true? I think that's a message here. Be interesting. And even worse. I worked for a company where part of the mission, vision, value statement was to have fun. 
And if you ask anyone who worked there, are you having fun? (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. If fun is part of your mission, then what exactly would you point to that's fun other than you're telling me to say it? And that's really what it boils down to is you're just regurgitating what's on the poster on the wall, right? Yes. Going back to Elon Musk, this is why I think Elon Musk is one of the best employment branders in the corporate world. You know exactly what the environment of where you're going to work looks like, what the expectations are, and you might not like it, but that's fine. That's great. But for people, don't apply. Yeah, The the expectations are going to be really high. And he's looking for people that are willing to put everything out there. If not work and just keep working. Yeah. That's what he's looking for. And so if that's not you, it's wonderful repellent. Like how could anybody potentially get hired at Tesla and then be surprised when, you know, nobody leaves before nine o'clock at night and they start at seven in the morning you literally eat and live at work. That's the expectations. And there's a lot of people, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a company that is going to make an impact. And that's okay. That is okay. When we say about saying something interesting, it goes to the point of show the receipts, right? Show why you are so good. And talk about the things that maybe is not so good. Because that is a differentiator for you. If you're saying this is going to be the environment, the real truth, imagine how different it is to everything else out there. Because it's all bullshit. I'll tell you, I see job ads every day and they're getting fucking worse. So be interesting. I think that's... Great the best message. advice I've heard in a long time. And be There's sure to just, buy James James's most recent book, available yeah. on Amazon. Employment Branding for Small Business, James Ellis. If you want the signed copy of a foreword, I'll send you my address and I will sign it for you. Or just come to Disrupt HR. Just come to Disrupt yeah. HR in Halifax. Yeah, we'll be there. So Shelly, have a yes. fantastic week. Thank you, Serge. Thank you. See you soon. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access.